A majority of the St. Louis County Council has turned sharply against St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger, a far cry from the status quo only a couple of years ago. St. Louis County Councilman Pat Dolan has stuck with the county executive and joins us on the latest edition of Politically Speaking to talk about the way forward in county politics. So let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Greitens, Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor, and I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe. I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors, and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. No one was fooled. No one was tricked. There was no deceit. This was a really simple matter. And if the, you know, if someone needs to come in and read to the council, then that's a pretty, pretty darn sad state of affairs. That is St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger talking about the recent conflict he's had with the St. Louis County Council. Hello, I'm Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio, and this is the Politically Speaking podcast, the only show about Missouri politics featuring a co-host with improvised taglines to make his co-host laugh. <laughs> My co-host, by the way, who is laughing right now. Sorry. Yeah, is uh, Joe Manis. Of the St. Louis Public Radio. Yes. Yeah, well, I think people know that I think people after that like out. four years. I, I think so. <laughs> we don't have County Executive Steve Stanger on. We had him on three months ago, but we do have somebody who has been in the midst of this conflict in the in the trenches in the trenches in the county council our special guest today pat dolan county council for the district fifth district and this is the first time you're on our show and i was telling the councilman before we we pressed record that after the show we will have had every elected office on the show so that means county executive assessor prosecutor and council districts one through seven Yes. So we, so we are thorough, folks. If we, you want to know what's going on in St. Louis County government, you can always go through our website and click on Politically Speaking, and you can go through and find them all. We, we have them all. So before we pepper you with, with really tough questions that will make you cry, um, <laughs> tell, us, tell us what your district encompasses and, and which municipalities are in it. Wow. Um, okay. Well, basically, it's a fifth district, one of seven, and... The broad borders would be Olive on the north, Gravoy on the south, um, just inside of Lindbergh. So if you went down Warson Road to Woodlawn, cross over Big Bend, turns into Sappington, down to Gravoy, back to the city limits. Uh, there are, there's a portion south of Olive, uh, just a little bit east of uh, McKnight that jogs off into the 1st District, but then it comes back in. So majority of south of Olive to Gravoy. So we're talking about such communities either all or part of, like Kirkwood, Glendale, Shrewsbury, right. uh, Richmond Heights, and, of course, my home turf of Webster, Webster Groves. Groves. Well, if you're on the north, you would have Olivet, New City, Ladue, yes. Clayton, Richmond Heights, Rock Hill, Brentwood, Warson Woods, Maplewood, Shrewsbury, Glendale, Oakland, uh, and a little bit Crestwood, of Crestwood, yeah. Village of McKenzie, um, Marlboro, 
I'm, I'm sure I'm going to I was just, and miss somebody. I was just impressive. I was, that was impressive, but there's also a little bit of unincorporated St. Louis County Correct, in it as well. Which I just came from a meeting prior to this uh, in Afton. Yes. Okay. So talk a little bit, because uh, you, you haven't been on the show before, and even though those in your district sort of know who you are, but just give our listeners a sense of why you got involved in politics and uh, what, and a little bit of your background. Of course, the the important question of where you went to high school. Of course. Well, I start. I went to CBC a long, long time ago. Still military when I was there, but um, um, you know, through work, uh, I'm in the building trades. I'm a union representative with my local now, but back then I was uh, active and. As we all know, everything's political these days on any front. So um, I was involved there. What's the name of the union? uh, Sprinkler Fitters Local 268. Okay, and you're the president? I'm the president. I'm retired, but I'm still an officer, uh, unpaid officer. So you don't actually install sprinklers anymore? No, I'm not working in the field. I'm retired. You've paid your dues on that one. But but talk about (laughs) what you currently do do, because I thought that was fascinating. We were talking about it before we went on the air. Well, getting real quickly, getting the first question is um, the um, how I got involved with, I was on Richmond Heights. I live in Richmond Heights. Been there for 35 years. My wife and I and two sons, Patrick and Christopher, and we, uh, there was an opening on a Richmond Heights City Council I ran one, and so I did two terms on Richmond City Council, so I was familiar with municipal government, and then was off for a few years, and then uh, Barb Fraser was running for Senate, so there was an opening on St. Louis County Council, that's when I ran for that. Uh, my day job, um, I retired, except from the sprinkler fitters, but I, I do a thing for Missouri State AFL-CIO. Um, I'm one of the people, uh, basically, if, with the Building Union Diversity Program, BUD program. It's uh, a bunch of labor leaders got together and decided that we needed to uh, to do uh, better in uh, creating opportunities for minorities in the construction trade. So that's the short version. So I'm one of a couple people that daily helps run that program and uh, meet with the individuals, take them to different training programs uh, and try to find them jobs. Actually, we have... Um, we're in our, I was with them this morning, uh, our 10th group that we've gone through, cohort 10, and uh, almost 90, oh, close to 90% of them that have gone through, that finished our program, have gotten jobs. So how many are in, like, this, the, the group? Uh, well, in this group right now, there's 10. Um, we can take up to 15. What we do is we take them to different training departments, which... I have to give a, a nod to all the training departments in, uh, in the region, the building union, the building trades, um, because they allow us to come to our training departments just for a couple days or a week, depending on, on which to, uh, training department, and, and just show these individuals what's there, you know, if it's something they'd like to do, they explain to them what the building trades do. Um, you know, the one note I, I bring up to people, there's – like in anything, some of the trades have issues with jurisdiction or what have you when different people are in different groups. But in this particular program, we have people who are in or out of the AFL-CIO, people who are in or out of the building. We have the carpenters, laborers, all the other building trades. So it's it's everybody's come together along with some agencies, United Way, uh, Metro, 
Barnes, BJC, um, uh, WashU. I think Boeing's coming on board to help. You know, they try to add money to this. We have grants from MoDOT and MSD. So all these, everybody's come together to do this program, which is fascinating. It's fantastic. There's a lot of opportunities that people didn't know existed. So To shift a little bit to the council, I want to ask very generally, because we've had council members on the show, but I don't actually think I've asked this question before. What is it sort of like to be a member of the council kind of on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis? Because unlike other counties where county commissioners are full, it's a full-time job, they get paid, you know, $50,000, dollars $70,000 a year. The county council, while I don't want to say it's a part-time job because I don't want to say that you don't do work when you're not in session, they get paid like $20,000 a year and um, you're not in session all the time. You, everybody, I think, has other jobs that they have to do while you're representing basically districts the size of, of medium-sized counties. So I'm interested to hear your perspective on what the daily and weekly grind of this job is like. Okay. Well, first off, it, it does certainly doesn't pay full-time, but to say it's not full-time, I, it, it's what you want to do with it. I personally enjoy doing it, but I just mentioned we just came from Athens mm-hmm. with a meeting with some seniors uh, citizens down there to have a uh, <clears throat> faith-based group that meets once a month so we you know do I get paid to go do that no but I enjoy mm-hmm. being with them and hear what their concerns are um, so that's me personally I put in a lot of time but that's by choice um, we do meet once a week and so we don't we're not in and out of session basically it might we only, we're only off four of the Tuesdays a year, mm-hmm. so it's um, – and that schedule is typically predetermined at the beginning of the year. Um, but it's it's what you want to put into it. There's a lot of time about – we do have a full-time assistant. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Patrick Mulcahy is here, my assistant, um, who handled day-to-day emails, phone calls, <coughs> communication um, – different which i could get into later i'm sure uh, bills we go through them and they pre-read everything as as well as us but do whatever research we need so we do have a person a full-time paid assistant um, that handles those day-to-day affairs so now just so our listeners have know how long have you been on the council well, I'm in my second term, so this would be in the seventh year. Right. And you're not term limited, just they're, so they're so people know. And was there anything in particular, issue or whatever, that prompted you to run for office for this post to begin with? Um, no, I, I was always involved. And, and like I say, at the time, the current county councilwoman, Barb Fraser, was running for Senate. So yeah. I was approached by a couple of different people that – and. Not just labor, not not one particular group, just a few to say, you know, do you have any interest in doing something like this? And I, you know, I enjoy the public service, and it's something I, you know, thought, well, it'd be nice to try. And I didn't know uh, exactly what was all involved. I mean, I was somewhat familiar um, because I had helped on some campaigns with other people who had run for county council. But... Um, so it's been a learning experience, and still have a lot to learn, uh, certainly, but um, glad I did it. So let's talk about exactly what you've gotten into, uh, essentially. So to give our listeners a little bit of a backdrop, because I'm not sure that they're 
are a lot of people that pay attention to the minutiae political details of the council. And that's what this show is about. And that's what it's about. And I just want to get this out of the way so we're not discussing it ad nauseum. Basically, there are seven council members, and the county executive can sign or veto bills, and he can obviously have an opinion on bills, whether he likes it or not, but the council members decide what legislation ends up being passed. Oftentimes, the council, although it's split into Republican and Democratic council members, in my opinion, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I actually think party is less important on this council than most places. I'm not saying it's never important, but it's really kind of like whether or not you agree philosophically with the county executive on a certain issue or whether you oppose them. And what happened after uh, this past election cycle is that Michael Mira lost re-election to Rochelle Walton Gray, and then uh, Ernie Trakis won a open seat. He's from South County. South this County. Is, this is the sixth district. So it basically meant that County Executive Stanger no longer had mm-hmm. a majority of people on the council that politically supported him anymore. And it changes by the issue. And I think most bills are actually passed unanimously. So this doesn't really come to, to pass very often. Um, but what I've noticed is you have stayed pretty much on the side of the County Executive on some controversial issues. I'd like to kind of... Okay, that's my perspective. I'd like to get your perspective on how you see the council post-2016 election cycle. Okay. Well, first, I agree with you. Which I wish that we'd run a nonpartisan, like municipal government, Webster. They, they're nonpartisan. Uh, Richmond Heights was the same way. But it, the charter declares that you, you run on a party line. And I'm the Democrat on, in the council seat. Um, if, if it was up to me, and, and it has been typically because I know other council members and myself talk about this a, a lot of times, that 95 or better percent of the things that we do should be and typically are nonpartisan. It's just common sense, run the business. Mm-hmm. Building, like building roads, you know, right. approving you need, contracts, you need stuff like that. road work or, or zoning changes in your district, um, I'm not going to say no because you're a Republican, right? If that's what that that's my philosophy of it. Um, it should be. I mean, for the most part, and typically it has been, just run the business. Common sense. That's what people expect of us. I I think, but um, I. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I personally think things have gotten more political than they need to be. Um, and I've stated to others that I'm here to represent the 5th District, although we vote on the entire county when things come up. But my job is to represent the 5th and try to stay away from any agendas. And I don't have an agenda of my own to try to push through. I'm not carrying an agenda for any other officer or office holder. Um, but it's, you know, I'm not going to deny that it has got more political than I believe it should be. Now, at the meeting Tuesday, which I covered, um, you basically brought up the issue of agendas uh, as you uh, were explaining why you were going to vote no against the uh, council resolution calling for an independent investigation and accusation. I'm simplifying this, but it's basically accusations that the county police were shirking their duties in um, uh, patrolling the Metrolink stations. I mean, that's 
right. bo- boiling it into a nutshell. And the Post-Dispatch had several stories. But you, as I said, cast the only no vote, and you did talk about what you saw as political agendas as opposed to trying to uh, seek the truth. You want to expand on that a little bit or explain exactly what what your thoughts were about that? Okay. Well, first off, as I stated Tuesday night, I agree with my other council members that if, in fact, these allegations warrant it or true, then there should be an investigation, no, no doubt. And it, it doesn't look good, not at all. But also being in the position we're in, we have, we're somewhat privileged to get both sides of the story, which I don't believe were this article was, that's what I was saying the other night, I think the article, not anything the council's doing, but that was politically motivated and slanted in a way to to bring out the point the way the article intended to. But if there is another side of that story, and knowing that, I, I thought that it would be prudent to let the police department, a nationally accredited police department, have the opportunity to do an investigation. First? First. Okay. As I would if the transportation department or the health department, any other department in St. Louis County, if if you were driving down the street and saw three or four to, uh, transportation department guys standing underneath the trees, you know, doing nothing, you'd say, well, that's outrageous, and we're paying them to be working. Not knowing that maybe they were waiting for material and they were told us, we don't, it would cost us too much to send you to do another job to stand there for half an hour until your material shows up. We don't know the other side of the story, but when we do, but we weren't given that in this article, so everybody just sees one side of it. So I believe the county police have enough integrity and knowledge to, to perform the investigation. And if not, and if they find out they need more assistance, they'll ask for it. Um, I mean, I read the articles too, and without getting too into the particulars, you can read them on St. Louis Post-Dispatch website. Is what you're getting at that you feel like it's Metro basically trying to ding the county police department because they've been kind of at odds over the last few months? I mean, that I've read other coverage of the fact that the the leadership at Metro and the county police department have not gotten along recently. And I'm I'm just trying to read between the lines of what you're saying, essentially. Is that what you're getting at, essentially? Well, I think everybody's entitled to draw their own conclusions, but I'm just I'm saying there is another side to the story that's not being put out there for people to form an opinion from. You can, they're only getting one side of an issue to form an opinion, which I don't think is fair to the police. And if, if in fact, there are problems, then they're going to correct them. There were things put in there that were from two years ago, um, and maybe something was done <coughs> to take solve that situation. I believe there was, as a matter of fact. And, you know, another picture, I was told something different than what the paper put out, you know, it was a Homeland Security talking to the different groups. Some of them were already off work and the other ones were listening to what they were going to be doing before they start their shift. They, they have a meeting and that was, but I'm not making excuses if that's, it is a problem. Safety obviously is a major concern. There's, there's no way around that. But in this particular case, I think it was slanted 
And that's that happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. Now, the backdrop of all this is the fact that there's been uh, several high-profile incidents of violence, even shootings, at the at the MetroLink stops, and that that's one of the reasons that there's beefed up county police presence, right. um, which was interesting. All this has happened right before all this came out, so you don't know if there's pressure because there's more police there, and maybe there. I don't know, but. Uh, as a councilman, do you have any sense of this transition to having a heightened police presence is being done smoothly, or there, or are you hearing a lot of bumps in the road? Well, you know, I again, I believe they're doing. They, being the county police, are doing what they can, and and all of the city police in St. Clair. I'm sure there's always more that can be done. There's no denying that. I mean, everybody wants more done. I, uh, Without saying a municipality, I talked to a, a chief of one of the municipalities the other day. The majority, once it leaves the city of St. Louis, the blue line of the Metrolink is entirely in the 5th District. And I talked to one of the chiefs the other day and said, I just want you to know we had a situation, an assault, or a, it wasn't a, just a you know a minor incident, and he, on the either on the train or on the platform. And he said the county police weren't standing there at the moment, but they got the call, and he said it was not even two minutes. They were there, took over the entire investigation. I think they ended up catching the the individual who caused the assault. But he, you know, he couldn't praise them enough for what, but you don't hear that all the time. They just go about their business every day doing their job, and they don't, every time they do an arrest or prevent something, they don't. It's not publicized, but they are there. And and you could go through everything we do. There's somebody complains about something, and that's their right. I mean, I shouldn't even say complain. They share their concerns. They have every right to do that. But you could go through a whole stack of papers and pick out something that somebody didn't like and said, and then put that in an article. And then you might have 10 more of them sitting there that somebody said they did a good job. That's all on how you present it. So, do you still have confidence in Chief Belmar? Because I know Ben Shamel, who's on the by state board, called for him to step down. Um, I'm getting a sense, though, that the county executive has full confidence in him. What's kind of your take on that? Well, 100% confidence in the chief and, and his staff. Uh, you know, they're in a tough position, and they're, they're going to do what they have to do. And I have total confidence that if there is some, somebody hasn't been doing or performing their job, then they'll, they'll address it. Same as I would expect any department head of, of any other department in the county. This isn't isolated just to the police department. Before we get to our next topic, we're going to have a brief musical interlude with more information about how to read our stories. You can find all the stories on Missouri's political scene from Joe and I on stlpublicradio.org. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Politically Speaking by typing in Politically Speaking on iTunes. And we're back with St. Louis County Councilman Pat Dolan, who is joining us on Politically Speaking for the first time. The next thing I want to talk about is this conflict over St. Louis County Prosecutor Bob McCullough's pension. Well, uh, technically, it's not his oh, pension. Oh, Joe there needs to explain good this good a little point. bit more. <laughs> Very good point. Yes, because Perspective I, covered this, pension. I, I covered this thing on Tuesday. The, the council made some changes in 2016 to the pension for the post. 
Now, there have been some stories that kind of implied that it was going to be uh, prosecuting attorney McCullough's pension, which it may be because he's held the office uh, for over 20 years, 25 years. But um, it's a fact that the changes would not go into effect until 2019 after the 2018 election. So it's basically whoever is in that job would be affected by these changes. The bottom line is that there's a special state pension fund for circuit attorneys and prosecuting attorneys. Part of this is aimed at bolstering the pensions that outstate and other places have for these um, people holding these offices to encourage it to, for them to stay there in a long time. You have to be at least a 12-year holder of that office in order to get it. So the point is, is that he would get that pension in addition to his county pension. The county pension used to dock whoever was a prosecuting attorney by about a third uh, for if that person ended up qualifying for the state pension. Uh, there were changes in 2016, eliminated that. Which we're going to talk about right now. I'm going to play two clips back to back. One is from St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger. The other one will be from St. Louis County Councilman Sam Page. Here's what uh, the county executive said about the the bill that passed in 2016. You're not suggesting that this was something other than them just overlooking it, that they're now... That they're now oh, no. What I think happened is Stephen Deere from the Post-Dispatch contacted them, mm -hmm. and they frankly ran like cowards. And now they're saying that they didn't read the bill. So you think that they knew what this was? I they think they it? absolutely knew what the bill was when they voted for it, and I think it's without question. And I think it's an act of cowardice. And I think what they're doing now is uh, an act of retaliation against Bob McCullough for whatever reason. Now, I asked you this question over the phone and I printed it in the article I wrote. But you knew what you were voting on in 2016. You knew that it could eventually increase Bob McCullough's pension if he's reelected. Is that is that accurate? Oh, uh, yes, it is. And uh, again, it's not Bob McCullough's. It's the prosecuting attorney's pension, mm -hmm. whoever that may be. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, uh, every time we have any type of bill or ordinance, we have a letter come down of recommendation for for legislation. <clears throat> now it could be from a department head, it could be from the county executive's office, it could be from another council person. We have an assistant who can look at it and read it. I can read it, and when I read that very clearly. It's clearly stated. I mean, it said it's only three paragraphs, and it said very concise that you know this does affect the prosecuting attorney's pension. Mm -hmm. There was there was no question about it. Now, this is just I'm just saying what I saw, what yes. I read. If if I had a question about that, I can either contact whoever brought brought in the legislation. Could be another council member, whoever. I can call the county counselor's office who works for all the council. There's a whole staff of council, you know, counselors up there, and the lawyers in the county counselor's office. If it was a department, transportation department, sending something through, if I didn't understand it or had questions, i call the transportation department, and they tell me there's multiple resources for any legislation we receive. If we don't know what it is, if we, we can find out from whoever introduced it. Now, I want to make it clear because I talked with both Councilman Page and Councilwoman Irby. Councilwoman Irby told me that she should have been more, you know, studious and looked at this bill closer. But she does not agree with the concept that the, the prosecutor should get a full county pension and a full state pension. And 
Councilman Page basically said the same thing, but he also added this about not only being more scrutinous of this particular issue, but of the county executive in general. Here is Councilman Sam Page right now. We have to do a better job of scrutinizing everything that, that comes out of this, uh, this administration. You know, one challenge that we have is when we question things, the county executive calls us names and throws a fit. And even if he acts like that, we can't be distracted. We, we still have to question everything. Now, Councilman Page is the chairman of the council. He has three other people that are allied with them. And he's basically been sending a lot of bills to committees, maybe as a way to get department heads to talk with those four people more. I mean, what do you kind of make of this environment that has kind of emerged that we talked about? And is this this, this pension situation just kind of more part and parcel with the fact that Stanger has an adversarial council majority now? <clears throat> well, I mean, I could say in the past, when anybody had legislation, any council member, you would, could have, at the time, you could approach other council members and say, this is what I'm bringing in. It's, you know, and you'd have your recommendation from whatever department it was through. And there was a, a, a rapport there. Well, now that's that's not so much the case. But like I was saying before, we, we do have research available to us every single day to use if need be. Um, as far as how much the other council members make, you know, that's, that's their opinion of I, I trust the information that I've received in, in, in uh, previous administration and this administration. It's not, you know, not that often that we can't get an answer, and, it, and it's, there's really no reason to, to not know what you're looking at. Now, one of the things that Irby said on Tuesday, this was at the special committee meeting before the council meeting, was that her belief was that there should only be one pension for that job. Now, one of the things that his lawyer points out that that the law, and I think this is federal law, actually, that once you're vested, you can't have your uh, pension, uh, uh, what you've earned, cut. And this is actually a clip of... Bob McCullough's attorney, I think his name is John, John Hessel. Hessel. John Hessel making that exact point. You can cut back a pension prospectively. You can't cut back a pension that's already in place. So my point is, to the extent that they want to go all the way back to pre-2009 and make it dollar for dollar, I'm not sure what the economic reason is for doing that, but Bob is already vested at the one-third, so you can't take that away from him. So that was basically what you Yeah, because what he's referring to is the county used to have, this is before 2009, whereas if, if a circuit attorney took that uh, uh, state pension, they lost dollar for dollar. As of 2009, from 2009 until 2016, they just got that cut their state their county pension by a third if they took this state pension now again the state pension is only if you've been in office for 12 years so basically hessel is saying since he's covered yeah you you can't cut it now do you think that is influencing some council members because they will be doing a final vote next week and actually discussing it i mean are they opening themselves up to a court fight if they um go ahead and pass the bill well again i i I don't like to speak for what other council members are thinking or going to do. Um, personally, 
Um, the way it was explained to us, which I'm glad Mr. Hessel was there to, to explain everything, uh, <clears throat> it sounded like there was precedent in an early Supreme Court decision against taking away that pension. Um, as far as um, the county counselor or county prosecutor attorney's position uh, receiving a pension, um, they, they, and I'm not a, an attorney, I can't explain this exactly, but the major, a lot of the work, maybe the majority of it, the, the cases they handle are state cases. So the, as, was, as you stated, when they set when the state set up a pension for the prosecuting attorneys and circuit attorneys after 12 years they're vested after 12 years was to retain and entice good prosecuting attorneys or qualified for the position uh, certainly they could make i'm would and i don't know for a fact i'm assuming that the prosecuting attorney of st louis county could, in a private world could probably make more money um, he's stayed on in his position for a while. But besides the fact that he, they prosecute state cases, he's also the head of the prosecuting attorney's office that handles St. Louis County cases and just the department itself. I mean, he does a job for St. Louis County, but also, if you look at it that way, also it's almost a second job. Not second job, it's part of his job. Mm -hmm. It's in his job description but handle stuff for the state as well. So for the state to do a pension for all prosecuting attorneys, not for one St. Louis County, is great. But, you know, he I believe he, the county, as any other employee, works for St. Louis County. That's part of the enticement to get your job. You can make more money, but that's when you when you get a pension or benefits with it, that's part of, you know, your compensation. Right. So how do you think it's the, the, the bill that essentially takes away his county pension is going to fare next week? It passed via voice vote, but it's possible that the arguments put forth by uh, Prosecutor McCullough's attorney may be pretty enticing. What's kind of your sense of from talking with council members? Okay. Well, I wish I could say we're talking with council members. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be that dialogue much anymore. But um, just my take on I voted no. It was in perfection um, because in light of the fact that we were given a, a multiple points of information and, and legal opinion on on this pension that I personally didn't know for a fact. I mean, uh, I think we would take more time to to see exactly where we're going with this. And it's just my opinion. I, I can't speak for what the council's gonna do with this. Um, in light of what we were told, I mean, it was pretty much directed that if we were to try to totally take away the pension, that there would be consequences. Now, um, you know, again, I can't speak for anybody else. It's, I think we need to research it more. And, and personally, I believe he deserves the full pension. Just That's my opinion. Do you think that, that there is politics behind this, or is it just in response to the post-dispatch stories? Um, well, I, I, had, I can't sit here and say I, I, I believe there's anything. politics, yes. I was just going to say there's politics behind everything. I know, but, but I want but, him but, to but, talk no, about I it. No, do, I do believe so, and, it's, and it's, that's the way things go. I'm, you know, we're, 
you know, I don't think uh, insult people's intelligence and say there's no politics involved here. It's it's but there's politics like you're saying in everything. It's not but, uncommon. Um, so, you know, it'll play out. But to uh, you know, besides taking money away, and it's not the money that the people were thinking it was either. That's a, that was another thing that was brought up. It wasn't the dollar amount that was reported in the newspaper. Um, that was misreported. But here I'm at a thing this morning, and people are questioning a guy like Bob McCullough's integrity and, and you know, his all he's done that I believe he's done a lot for St. Louis County you know, when they're running for governor, running for senator, running for county executive. They, Bob's name is brought into the picture when he's on state and national boards for prosecuting attorneys across the country and across the state. He's a very well-respected prosecuting attorney, not just a person. Mm-hmm. Besides, and he's skipped all those opportunities and private practice to to put away the bad guys, as he once said. And uh, you know, I to tarnish his reputation by saying this is some collusion to get payback political pay, you know, for campaign money is just unfortunate. Well, I want to put a finer point on Joe's question. Okay. An expectation that the two Republicans on the council were going to be allied with Stanger, which they were at the beginning of his term, was unrealistic. I, I assume that Harder and Wassinger would depart from the county executive on some issues. What I will say, though, is, you know, Mike O'Meara lost re-election pretty soundly. And I think the county executive or everybody else could have probably put more help to save him. It didn't happen. Um, there could have been a better Democratic candidate to run against Ernie Trakis. With all due respect to Pat Yeager, she obviously wasn't good enough because she lost. And I don't know what has happened with the Sam Page situation, but he went from a Steve Stanger ally to probably one of his fiercest critics in the span of basically a year. So what I'm trying to get at is, do you think a lot of the county executive's political problems are self-inflicted right now? Could he have done more to get a better counsel on his side? And and the, I didn't even get to the aspect that he had such an adversarial relationship with Councilwoman Irby at the beginning of his term that she is incentivized to do anything she can to make her his life miserable now. So I'd, I'd be interested in your perspective on that because I have heard from others that his problems right now are somewhat self-inflicted. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, hindsight, you could look at a lot of different things. Um, some of the moves were whatever it was called moves. Some the way the circumstances came with, I mean, with uh, things that were going on in South County uh, before an election and, and the Trump, you know, a lot of people were Trumped. I mean, there's there, the votes were out there unexpectedly um you know when when you lose anything you always look back and say why didn't i do something different it's mm-hmm. it, it's easy to be second guessing now um you know i i believe the county executive does a good job and, and people don't understand what all they do and certainly any county executive and any a lot of public office holders mayors or whoever do a lot of things people don't give them credit for, but that's you know that's the nature of the business. They understand that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that anything was uh, one certain 
reason that these elections were lost. Obviously, in our county, demographics have changed, um, and there's no denying that. There was a concerted effort on uh, certain areas in our county, and, and uh, you know, that's the first time that council seat, I believe, had a primary in a long time. And that, <laughs> well, that's a different yeah. when you have a lot of supporters mm-hmm. who are in a different party mm-hmm. just because they know you're doing a good job but mm-hmm. they don't switch over then that's hard to beat sometimes. To read between the lines of that a little bit, the council, former councilman O'Mara's district is majority African American and this I think was the first time he had a credible African American po- opponent in the primary. He may not have been able to do anything to prevent that result. Just I mean, also, I have to give credit to Councilwoman Walton Gray that she ran a obviously good enough campaign to beat him. So I, I do understand that point, and I think that's fair context to make. Well, as you look towards, I mean, like like you mentioned, the Trump factor, which doesn't always, I mean, the presidential contests don't always trickle down to local races. Um, but in this case, it may have helped. I mean, uh, Pat Yeager, who I knew, uh, from covering her when she was in the state house, she may have lost anyway. I mean, you know, because of because of other factors. But the Trump uh, element did increase Trakis's margin. I think there's probably no question. So looking towards 2018, Stanger's going to be running for re-election. From what I understand, you're running for re-election. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and how do how do you see the climate going into 2018? Do you think some of these uh, council uh, Arguments are going to affect your contest or not? Do you think there's going to be a trickle down from all the chaos going on in Washington right now? Just kind of your thoughts. Well, certainly, I mean, anything's possible. I, you know, as far as my race, um, <clears throat> there's there's been some things that throughout the time that we've been able to do uh, through my term that, that have helped a lot of different groups that. Otherwise, wouldn't have had some help. But there's always people who don't agree with what we're doing. Um, you know, that's pretty generic, obviously. But um, I think you know we pride ourselves, we and my myself, and my assistant, on what we do for our district is respond. Every we answer every email, every phone call, every communication. You know, we if we don't have an answer, we get a form. So we we're out there in the community. We meet with every opportunity we have. So. I, I try my best to represent them. Now, does this trickle down from all this going on between the county executive and other council members? I don't know. I I would hope. And I I strongly believe that the 5th District is uh, people are very aware of their politics and and educated on, on who they vote for and, and take the time to, to read into it. And if they decide uh, they'd like to keep me on, I'd, I'd appreciate that. But if they don't, I understand that, you know, it, it could be cl- if you're saying collateral damage, if that's what you're insinuating. I don't know that uh, I think they would understand the difference between my position and, and uh, prosecuting attorneys or county executives. Well, when you were at that after meeting this morning, what sort of fallout? I mean, were you hearing stuff in general about you know how the I mean, were people upset about what's going on in Clayton, or are they not? Well, and it's it was a smaller meeting of uh, senior citizens, and and you know they're concerned. A couple of them were uh, what they read in the newspaper. All they they're only receiving one source of information, 
And if you look at certain things like that, well, then, yeah, I'd be concerned about, uh, you know, public safety on the metro and, and uh, pensions and what have you. But I had an opportunity to explain to them there is another side and some facts about things. And, they, well, we didn't know that. I said, well, no. So that's why we do get out in the community. And, and most of those are just we meet with them, with all different people just to what do you need for your community? I mean, it's still, some of them are still interested in if their trash is picked up and if there's going to be development down the road. And, you know, that's they stay out of all the, the major politics. They're very happy with the services the police and fire, you know, afford them. So they're pretty much you know, general questions, nothing. No alarm bells going off. Well, you mentioned well-informed people in your district. I know at least one person sitting in this room, actually two. I know you're very well-informed in your district, <laughs> but my co-host is a resident of the 5th District and I'm sure is looking forward to getting hundreds of thousands of mailers from your re-election campaign from both you and uh, your Green Party opponent, if and you have one. They're, they're probably be a they'll probably be a Republican, too. There probably will be a Republican, no doubt. too. Well, just, I would think. Yeah, I w- it, is a com- it is a reasonably competitive district. We just wanted to thank you very much for coming on our show. We will have you on uh, again as soon as we can. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. I don't think you're on Twitter, but is there no. any other way for people in the 5th District or otherwise to get a hold of you online? No, basically just on the county website or the county uh, or phone at the council. I will be uh, – <laughs> if, if if I have a campaign, I'll be on every. I just – I'm not – savvy i i think you've made i think you've made the right decision to stay off twitter and until then so long one more glass another furtive glass